We're going to hop in today to Mark chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, you can flip there. It'll be on the screen, or you can take the Bible out of the pew in front of you and uh, follow along there. And we want to want to follow up with um, some of the things that we said last week. Now, I know that every time that we do that, that there are people here this week that weren't here last week, and that's fine. We'll catch you up a little bit. Uh, last week, we looked in Romans chapter 8, really Romans chapter 7 and 8, where the Apostle Paul was writing about really this, this kind of a struggle that's happening in him that he, he knows that as a follower of Christ, he desires to follow Christ, but he finds that at times in following Christ, when he wants to do good, evil's right there with him, and sometimes he feels like the, the, the flesh is in charge, and sometimes he feels like the Spirit of God's in charge, and he comes to a place where he says, who's going who's gonna to save this wretched man? And then he, he uses these words, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's how he begins chapter 8 of Romans. And I asked us the question, why is it that then some people that we notice in life seem to be, you know, seem to, to get it a little bit better? Some people seem to live out this Christian walk and this Christian faith a little bit differently than others. Seems like some people um, have Christ in their life, but yet they live with no power and they seem to continue to struggle. And yet some people give their life to Christ and then it seems like God just totally transforms this person and does something new. And really the big idea here was the question last week is, are you living in your own power or are you living in God's power? And one of the things I said last week is you really need to wrestle with the question as we up to wrestle with the question, why did Jesus come and die on the cross? And I pointed out last week that there's typically two responses to that uh, for those of us who uh, attend church. And, and there's a subtle difference between the two. It's not a right-wrong this is, this is more of a response to say how it affects the way that we approach living out our faith. That you'll hear some people say, well, Christ came and he died on the cross for, to save me from my sins. And again, that's not necessarily a wrong statement. But I think there's a better way to say that, and it's this, that Jesus Christ's death on the cross, his burial and his resurrection gave, empowered us because he showed that he demonstrated that he had power over sin and death. And when you say it that way, it's just a subtle difference from, from making it about me to making it about him and what he did. Now, again, this isn't a right-wrong, and I'm not just talking semantics for the, for the sake of us, you know, picking on words or anything. But that, to me, I think seems to be the key of why some people tend to live out their Christian faith in power is because they realize that they serve a God who overcame the power of sin and death. And therefore, that power now can live inside of me. And I can function on a daily basis knowing that the God who overcame sin and death lives in my heart and gives me the power to live and overcome anything that I may face in this life. And that is a different response to me that I think gives us just a different, a different way of approaching how we live our life. And so I want to follow up on that today with an illustration and perhaps a familiar story for some of you from Scripture uh, of, of something that we see where Jesus interacts with a particular person. But as we get into that today, I want to ask you this question, what holds the most value in your life? You ever thought about that? What holds the most value in my life. Now, some of us immediately start thinking about the things that we own, and we try to come up with maybe a value of what is the most expensive thing in my life, but that's not necessarily the thing in your life that holds the most value. Um, perhaps it's a relationship. Perhaps 
It's a memory. Perhaps it's an idea. Perhaps there's something in your life that holds such a significant amount of value that it it just kind of puts itself out there above any and everything else. And we say this, but I really want us to think about this. What it means to be a follower of Christ is that we're supposed to put God in the place that he holds the most value of anything in our life. Is that if we are truly going to become a follower of Christ, and what it means to be a person that walks with Christ, is that we work in our heart to say, God, you are the most valuable thing that there is, period. And the way that I live my life needs to be in such a way that it reflects that you are the most valuable thing ever. Now, I say this all the time just to give an illustration, and my wife is highly aware that I say this, is that she's not the most valuable thing in my life, nor am I in hers. We've worked very distinctly and very, very purposefully for one another to try to let our relationship with Christ be the most important thing in our life. Because the truth of this is, when you really think about it, there's no way that I can be everything that Julie needs on this earth, period. I can't. I can't do that. And neither could she be that for me. But Christ and Christ alone can be enough for both of us. And so we, we attempt to live our marriage in this way, that we pour ourselves into our relationship with Christ and we live loving one another out of the overflow of what he's done for us. And as he gives abundantly into our life and satisfies my needs and satisfies the, the things that are going on in my heart, then I then don't have to have or receive anything from my spouse. I can just freely give because I've already gotten everything that I need from the most important relationship that there is in life, and that is my relationship with Christ. And that's how we're supposed to live out in every relationship. You see, the downfall of many relationships is that we're looking for one another to give us something that we think that we need. Honestly, we could never provide for someone else. Because the only person who can love us such that way is the person of Jesus Christ. The only person who can provide those things is the creator God of heaven who created you and knows you inside and out. He's the only one who can give you what you need. And so we really need to understand what holds the most value in my life because it's usually that thing that's either going to drive you closer to God or it's going to put a wedge between you and your relationship with God. And it's going to void some of the power of God in your life if you allow it. And this is what this illustration is about this morning. This is Mark chapter 10, starts in verse 17. And this is Jesus. It says, as Jesus was setting out on a journey... A man ran up and knelt down before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that the question? We all want to know, is there more to this life than what we're experiencing now and one day when we all face the end of this life? Then what's next, God, and and what do I need to do to make sure that I'm in the right place? Jesus gives him a curious response in verse 18. He says, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him, no one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments. And Jesus picks certain commandments here. And he says this, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Do I have kept all her and mother. The man said to him, teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. And I love this next phrase. Pay attention to it. Verse 21. 
looking at him, Jesus loved him. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. So you see the story here. There's someone who's coming to Jesus and said, I've done all these good things in life. God, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Jesus has a brief conversation with him about the commandments and he looks at him in love and he says, well, there's really one thing that you're missing. And that is you need to sell all the things that you have Give them to the poor and then come and follow me. Now, that makes a lot of us nervous when we read that. Some people read that and go, I can't have stuff. No, that's not what Jesus is getting at here in this. He's getting at the point of what's the thing that holds the most value in your life. And for this particular man at this particular time, the thing that held the most value in his life was the stuff that he had. And even though he was a good person and a moral person, because you could tell because there, Jesus didn't argue that he had kept the commands. Jesus didn't try to point out a sin in his life. He just said, you know what, there's one thing that you're missing. If you really want this relationship with me, if you really want to inherit eternal life as it is intended to be, then you need to get rid of those things and you just need to start following me. And when he said that, it, it actually scared that man to death. So much so that he just went, I'm, I'm good. And he walked away. And you know what, in scripture we never see that another conversation with him again. It's really kind of one of the most uncomfortable illustrations or, or stories in Scripture to me because you just go, oh, he missed it. He had an opportunity right there and he missed it. But what is it that can, what we can learn and that we can gain from this man's interaction with Christ? Well, the first thing I want us to see is that following the rules does not accomplish what following Jesus will in our life. Now, Listen to me on that. Following the rules will not accomplish what following Jesus will in our life. Some of you went, Pastor just told me I can break the rules. No, that's not what I said. I said following the rules won't accomplish the same thing as following Jesus will. You see, this man had come to God and he's followed all the rules. He's done all the right things. You know, the thing that, the thing that breaks my heart often in our culture and in today's world is that the misconception and the Americanized version or even the Southern culture version of what Christianity is. Well, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I didn't do anything, but it's like, you know, good. I'm glad. You're probably healthier for that. But are you following Jesus? Well, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't, well, good. But are you following Jesus? Well, I come to church every Sunday and I give and I go, I'm Good. Are you following Jesus? There's a difference. And this is what's happened. This man said, I, I, do not commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Do not honor your Hey, I've done those. I've done those. And Jesus said, good, you're missing one thing. Me. Just, just now, now you're almost there. So if you'll just put those things aside and then Give everything you have away to the poor and follow me. Now, think about that. Some of us look at this story and we get uncomfortable because we go, oh, wow. He has to give up everything. He has to, to leave it all behind. Isn't, isn't the first thing that we see in all of Scripture is that God's a creator? 
He created everything and he owns everything. So if anybody was ever going to make the deal with you, hey, you give everything that you have away and come follow me and I'll take care of you, wouldn't that be the best person ever to put your trust and your faith in? You see, because following the rules can only lead so far. And this is actually what we talked about a little bit last week. And again, I know I'm, I'm bringing some stuff up where people may not have been here. But I want to read one of the verses we read last week as Paul was wrestling with this. He wrote these words. He said, what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. What Paul's saying here is that we actually couldn't follow enough rules and we couldn't obey the law enough to be able to be good enough for God. And so even when we try to do that, it's going to fall short. But what God did is he did what we couldn't do is that he actually came and lived a perfect and sinless life. And then he sacrificed himself on that cross to die a death that we deserve, to pay a price that we could never pay so that then we could have a restored and a right relationship with God if we're willing to follow him. And not simply just follow the flesh or the desires or even just try to live, follow me on this, even when we try to just live our own Christian life on our own power instead of the power of God. And that's where some of us tend to fall short. We, we tend to see that, well, and now that I've become a Christian, there's this list of do's and I have to follow these things. You know, God calls you into a relationship and following Jesus Christ is actually an adventure that is an exciting and exhilarating path in life where God has uniquely created and uniquely gifted and uniquely called each and every one of us to live out this life in a unique way. And there's no way that we can just create a pattern to follow and go, well, follow these three steps and you'll be close to Christ. Those rules, those disciplines that we do are good. They help us draw close to God. But ultimately, this is a relationship where there is a creator God who's calling you to say every day, just come follow me. And we're kind of in this spot like the rich young man at times where we have to go, well, God, to do that, I might have to leave some of this stuff behind. And I don't know that I want to do that. You see, the man, the rich young ruler, he wanted to add to what he already had. But Jesus wanted to replace it. You see the difference? You see, that's another thing that I think happens in, in our minds at times is that we think that we, we somehow see our life as, well, I've got these good relationships and I've got, you know, this security in my money and I've got a nice place to live and I've got a job and I've got this. Now I just need to add Jesus into that. And we just kind of see it as, a, as another part and we try to balance all those things and go look at all the stuff. That I have, and that's kind of, I think, where this man was coming from, if you'll allow me the liberty to, to play like I can get in his brain. I think what he was looking for is he's saying, God, I've already, I'm a good person, and I've done all these things, and I've got a lot of stuff, and I'm nice to people. Now, what else do I need to do? And God says, you need to leave all that behind. Just follow me. And I think that bewildered him just like it bewilders us at times is that Jesus, at it as an addition, what we're saying is look at all that I've done and now, God, can you just kind of help me do the things that I can't do on my own? Instead of saying, God, I can't do anything on my own. 
void of your power, void of your spirit. And so therefore, God, let me leave these things behind and follow you. We're wanting to add to our life, but Jesus wants to exchange it for something much greater. You see, the Apostle Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. And see, the new has come. You don't think about it, but you interpret that the same way that I interpreted that. The old bad things have passed. No, the old, everything has passed. When you give your life to Christ, he offers an exchange, not an addition. Is that anything that you were before, whether it be good on your own power or whether it be just sinful on your own power, you can now leave that behind and you can live fully in the power and the grace of knowing that we can follow the one who overcame the power of sin and death through his death on the cross, his burial, and his power over death in the resurrection three days later. We can now exchange anything that we think that we're desiring in this life and we can fully follow Christ. And that's where we will find the power to live and experience life in a way like nobody else on this earth. That's where it happens. We're not adding to, we're not stacking up the things that we've done and then asking God to bless it. God's saying, I want to give you something totally new if you'll follow me. That's where he looked at this man and he said, you can have it all if you'll give it all away. I love it, I pointed it out as we read it, but I just wanna point it out to you today, this man was fully known and fully loved by God. You know, that's our vision as a church, is we want to bring people to a place where they can discover they're fully known and fully loved by God. No matter what you've done in your life, God knows, and God still loves you. And the, the verse that we use to convey that often at our church is Romans 5, 8, is that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we didn't do anything to earn God's salvation. It's while he looked at us and said, you've got nothing, but I'm going to give you everything. That's what he did. But you see, God also looked at this man who was a good moral man from all that we can see. And he's good in the community and he loves the community. And Weatherford that you'd go, man, he shows up at all the things and he gives real nice. And he's good in the community and he loves the kids and he does some good stuff. That's a good man. But it's a good man that was not following Christ. It's a good man who wasn't experiencing everything that Christ wanted for him in his life. And some could even make the argument that he was a good man that exchanged good things on this earth for not good enough and possibly ended up separated from God eternally in a place called hell. Possibly. I don't know that. We don't know what else happened to this man in his life. But we know that at a point in his life when he had an opportunity to take a next step further with Christ, he chose to just kind of stay where he was. But in the midst of that, he was fully known and fully loved by God. I love that the writer points out the fact that Jesus looked at him and Loved him. It didn't say that Jesus looked at him and was frustrated with him. It didn't say Jesus looked at him and said, you dummy. You don't have any. It says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And in that moment, what I believe Jesus wanted for him is the same thing that Jesus wants for every one of us today. More than what we could ever possibly dream or imagine. 
And Jesus continually offers us the opportunity to follow him each and every day. Can I just tell you something? You may have given your heart to Christ 40, 50, 60 years ago, but I'm telling you something today. He is calling you to follow him. And he is offering you the same thing that he offers you from the beginning of your time here on this earth to exchange this life for the life that only he can offer. And whether you've never done that before to, to receive salvation, you need to do that today. Or whether you've accepted salvation, but you've lived life good enough to where you're just comfortable and we're kind of in our own power and we're kind of in our own things. I would encourage you today to seriously consider why did Jesus come on the cross and what can I do if I fully follow him today. You see, God not only meets me at my point of need, he also meets me at my point of growth. When you think about that, God not only meets us at our point of need when we're down and we're out and we're desperate and we confess that we need him, but then once we begin to follow him, he continues to offer us more and more and more. He meets us at our point of growth. He looked at this man and he goes, you lack one thing. I wish I lacked one thing. Anybody else here with me? I mean, like, that would be the biggest compliment I could ever receive. No, no, you just got one more thing. I'm like, praise the Lord, I only have one more thing to work on. That would be awesome. Now, I don't think Jesus was literally saying that you only lack one thing. I think what he was pointing out is, you know, there's one thing in this life that you value more than me. And here's the concern. And now I want to meddle for a little bit. So get your steel-toed boots on. And I want to talk about this in the context of what I believe is happening here. This particular man went away sad possessions. Perhaps it's your comfort, your, your money, your finances. Is that you're willing to live for God as long as he doesn't touch this much of what you have. I'm comfortable loving God and out of my abundance, God, I'll follow you. Perhaps that's, that's how some of you live. And praise the Lord that God has blessed some of you. And praise the Lord that we have a generous church who gives. And I have no doubt that we're going to reach our $10,000 Annie Armstrong offering. I have no doubt that we're going to reach our budget and other things like that because we have a generous church. But let me tell you what's happening in our culture today if you don't recognize it. What's happening in our culture today is that culture is trying to teach our children and is trying to convince us that you can blend the things of culture and the good things of God that I want to pick and choose and put those together and come up with a form of faith that seems to look good to everybody else. But what Scripture tells us very clearly is that form of faith is void of power because it's a man-made faith. It's a faith that says, well, you can be a Christian and you fill in the blank. What's your one thing? You can be a Christian and well, I don't have to go to church. You can be a Christian, well, I don't have to tithe or, or give that way. Well, I can be a Christian and not have to give up my addictions. Well, I can be a Christian and not have to, you know, get rid of this relationship in my life. Well, I can be a Christian and hold on to this thing that's really probably not all that good, but you know, everybody does that or whatever. Or I can be a Christian and... You just fill in the blank. And culture continues to try to, to fill us in. And where we sacrifice a lot of things and where we give it up is because we get comfortable and we're more satisfied being comfortable in our culture and in this world than we are being able to exchange all we have and say, God, I'm going to give it all to you and trust you. 
that there is a life that's greater than this one that I'm experiencing if I will put those things aside and if I will fully follow you with all that I have. That's where life begins. And if we're not careful, we will fall into that same type of trap of everybody else. Well, I can be a Christian and still, and you whatever. Whether it's a sinful type of living, whether it's a relationship you don't want to let go to, whether it's not following God in your fight, you realize that God loves us so much that not only did he give his self for us, and then he gives us his word and says, this is how we're to live. And can I just tell you something? That most of the time when you really come into contact with how God tells us how to live, lo and behold, it goes exactly the opposite of how culture tells us that we're supposed to live. God says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Culture says, get them. Get them now. You know, culture says, well, we, we just need to live for whatever feels good. And God goes, no, you, you need to live for what's right. God says that he has blessed us abundantly so that we can give and that he can be a conduit to use us to give and bless others with. But we go, oh, God, you gave this all to me. That's awesome. I'm going to make bank accounts and savings accounts, and I'm going to hold on to this, and I'm going to live. Now, look, I'm not telling you give everything away like this. God wired some of us to be incredibly, us, I don't need to include myself in that. God wired some of you to be incredibly good with finances and to understand how things work so that you can fund the, the ministries of missionaries and churches and other stuff like that. That's, it's all over scripture where he does those things. But this is the deal. Only you can answer the question of what is the thing that you value the most. Because my belief is God wants to meet you right there and says, now will you give that to me? And make an exchange? And will you let me meet you at this place and say, I can show you a life that's bigger and better than that? Jesus alone, church, Jesus alone is enough. And sometimes the only people that see that are the people who only have Jesus alone. You know, Jesus followed up this conversation with the rich young ruler with a very sobering thought that he shared with his disciples that actually disrupted them. He said, it's very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples were like, that's disturbing. And I believe what Jesus was saying is that it's very difficult for people who feel like they have something that is serving or meeting a need in their life, whether it be a relationship, whether it be comfort, whether it be a possession, whether it be money, whether it be a job, whether it be whatever that we have, whether it be an addiction, whether it be that we hold on to and we just say, this is what makes me feel comfortable. I, I think the point here can go beyond simply possessions, which Jesus is definitely talking about possessions, to a principle here that says, Jesus alone is enough if you're willing to give it to him. And he wants to exchange the old for the new. And when we do that, the only way that we're living at that point in time is in the power of God. Because we've given up everything that we have at that point where we can't look back and go, look what I've done. I've followed all these things. I've done all this stuff. And so now, God, if you'll just kind of add that extra step that I can't do. And God goes, no, I, I want to trade all of that for the life that only I can do. Would you accept that life? Would you follow that life today?
That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. To overcome the power of sin and death and to show that there's nothing in this world worth living for. Only him.